Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. I've enjoyed reading through Acts uh, each of the Monday through Fridays, just looking at what the Lord's doing through this, this book, through the early church. And it truly is. This is, what, this is what Jesus laid out to happen. He sent his apostles out, and we see it grew. 2,000, 4,000, 5,000, just continued to expand and expand and expand. And somewhere in this, they were able to remain as a family. They were able to remain connected. They were able to remain in discipleship mode. They were able to remain in an attitude of prayer where they were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about being a witness and community, uh, seizing opportunities, facing opposition, sharing in the work of the ministry. Last week, we talked about persecution. But this week, I want to talk about how it is normal. It is normal for Christians to have supernatural encounters with God that lead to new breakthroughs. Now, when you hear that word supernatural encounter, you might think, oh, that's just for like the super spiritual. That's just for the charismatics. No, it's no. Remember, there was no charismatic in the Bible. There wasn't Protestant and Pentecostal in the Bible. Everybody in the Bible was Pentecostal in the New Testament. I want you to understand that there, 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 people were, were saved, they were baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and if you follow this book out, it was normal to have supernatural encounters with God. So let's break some of these words down. Supernatural. You don't have to think of like all this mystical stuff. And Listen, supernatural means above the natural, beyond natural. So what that means, it's something that a divine being... We believe God is doing in your life. It's something that you can't do in the natural, in the flesh, with your own works. So when we're saying supernatural, we want to live a supernatural lifestyle, it means we want to have enough dependence on the Holy Spirit where we're able to do things or experience things that we would not be able to do on our own. Does that part make sense? An encounter, that word, if you look at that word encounter, it simply means an unexpected experience with God. It's nothing you can conjure up yourself. You can't wake up and say, hey, I'm going to have a supernatural encounter day. It doesn't work like that. God is a sovereign God. I believe you can position yourself to receive an encounter from God, but a supernatural encounter is an encounter. It's an experience that it's unexpected uh, of you that God gives to you through his own sovereign desire. Now, that could be as de- demonstrative, as trembling under the fear of the Lord, falling under the power of God, crying your eyes out at the altar. But another supernatural encounter could simply be reading through your Bible quietly, and one word pops out at you like, whoa, I never saw it like that. And you sit on that word for like days or weeks, just studying that out or rereading that passage. That is an encounter with God. Sometimes maybe you'll see angelic beings, right? We, we, if somebody would come up to you and say, hey, I saw an angel yesterday in a vision. Most of us would be like, wow, that is like super weird. Read your Bible. This was normal in the early church. In the American church, it's odd. If you go overseas or in other countries where they don't have all of the resources we have, it's not abnormal. So maybe you've seen an angelic being. Maybe you've had a dream at night from God. Maybe you've been given a vision of something else. Those are supernatural encounters. They're things that you cannot prompt yourself, but they do prepare you 
for new breakthroughs. So let's look at the word breakthrough. In this context, a breakthrough is a dramatic and important advancement with God. If you look at the way, if you just break it out, you're breaking through something. So it's an area in your life that you might feel like it's stuck or dry or not advancing. It might feel like there's a wall in front of you. And you have this encounter with God that you weren't even expecting, but you've positioned your heart to receive it anyway. And it's like God's battering ram or wrecking ball comes and just smashes that through. And you say, you know what? When I read the Bible, it used to be boring. It used to be dry. I didn't understand it. For whatever reason, after I read it, I, I just got stuck on this word or this phrase or God showed me something. Ever since then, the Bible is just fun to read. That is a breakthrough. I've been praying for the sick. I've been praying for people, you know, this and this. And just out of nowhere, I had this encounter with God. And now when I pray, I see results. Or maybe you've been pressing in and pressing in and nothing's happening at work. God shows you something in your prayer time. You feel confidence and faith. And out of nowhere, you get the raise that you need. Those are all breakthroughs. I don't want to put things in this box of what a breakthrough could be. But it's simply breaking through to the next level with God. I do believe that all throughout the book of Acts in the New Testament, there are encounter after encounter after encounter that lead to new breakthroughs. In fact, I believe that each breakthrough that God gives us prepares us for and propels us toward a new breakthrough. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go through four to six, depending upon how much time we have, uh, different instances in the book of Acts. And we're going to see some different examples. I'm going to kind of fly through some of this stuff. And uh, we're just going to hopefully stir up some faith to seek God and see what he wants to do this morning and then in the upcoming weeks in your own private time. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Go ahead and turn to the book of Acts, starting at chapter 2. The Bible, if you don't have your Bible, uh, you can look one up on your smartphone. There's Bibles right in front of you that are also the same translation uh, that I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. We've mentioned some of these things in the past, but we're just trying to pick out now what people experience a supernatural encounter with God, what did it entail, and then what was the breakthrough that actually happened? We're not trying to create a formula here, folks. We're just looking at what was normal in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1, we've read this several times. It was the day of Pentecost, remember, a Jewish feast. All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, right, They didn't wake up that morning and say, this is the day, Jesus. This is what we've been waiting for. No, suddenly, like out of nowhere, unexpectedly. It says here, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then something, you know, completely normal happens here. What looked to be like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled upon them. How many of you would think this is a pretty strange morning? This is how God chose to birth the church that you're a part of. I'm not talking about central. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Right? This is how your heavenly father chose to do this. It must be normal to him. So it says here, uh, everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit had given them this ability. So let's just take a look at the encounter real quick. They're all together in one place. It does not say whether they were praying at this specific moment or not, but we know that they were in unity. And suddenly now we hear this blowing of a mighty windstorm. We see these, these tongues of fire, these flames resting upon them. This is absolutely a supernatural encounter, right? You could not do this in your own power. This is something sovereignly done by God. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they're speaking in other tongues and other languages. People come in amazement because of this. What I believe was happening is that these apostles and these believers positioned themselves to receive this because they were living in obedience to the Lord. 
Now, some people might say, well, no, they received it because they were waiting on the Lord. I get that, but because Jesus in Acts 1 said, go to Jerusalem, wait in the city until you receive power from on high. So I get it. If you're waiting on the Lord and seeking him, I absolutely believe that will, that will position your heart for an encounter. But Jesus could have said, go and be about your business. Go and serve. Go and wash people's feet. Whatever Jesus said to do, they should have done or they would not have received this. Are you with me? You guys okay? Just really quiet. You all right? So they were obeying the Lord. I do doubt if they disobeyed and they went off on their other way and they were doing something different that the Holy Spirit would not have fallen on them. So when we're living in obedience, we're not trying to prove ourselves to God. We're not trying to impress him. We're not trying to say, hey, look how good we are. You can come and encounter me anytime. No, what you're doing is you're positioning yourself under the favor of the Lord. Because when you're in obedience to the Lord, you're at the right place at the right time with the right heart attitude. Does that make sense? So they were in obedience. They simply listened to Jesus. They weren't striving. They weren't doing anything else. And we see that they were filled with the Holy Spirit here. So if you look down at verse 6 now, what was the breakthrough? There's thousands of people in the city. It says, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by believers. So now all these people are around. Well, Peter, who denied Christ just, you know, 50-some days ago, now stands up, preaches his heart out. And then if you look at verse 41, it says, um, if I can catch it here, it says, those who believed what Peter had said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 people in all. How many of you would say that's a breakthrough, right? He goes from no church at all, 120 believers, One encounter gives him the boldness to step out. One encounter gathers thousands of non-believers right around this group of people. And by the end of the day, you have 3,000 born-again believers going home soaking wet. That's a good day for the kingdom. That was one encounter that led to a breakthrough. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 8. Now, we read, we, I preached on uh, chapter 8 last week, but I just want to kind of specifically point out this one encounter that Philip had. We look in verse 5 here. Well, let's look at verse 4. It says, all of the believers who were scattered preached good news about Jesus wherever they went. So just to catch up, uh, Stephen is stoned to death. The believers are scattered. It's the great persecution of the early church. So they're everywhere now. So Philip who was one of the original deacons, right? He was in the food distribution program, but wasn't going to leave and say, well, geez, now who am I going to give food to? No, he starts preaching. There's signs and wonders being performed through him. He's already doing a great job in ministry. But it says in verse five, Philip, for example, he went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. It says that the entire city was filled with joy. Revival was breaking out in this city. If you look down at verse 26, Here's a specific encounter. It says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of the great authority under Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. When we, like, how many of you like just fly through some of these verses sometimes? So what just happened there? Oh yeah, an angel just showed up and talked to Philip. It's good. Like, do you ever think about this? Wait a minute. Philip was qualified to do a food program. 
Philip was qualified by God to preach. Philip was qualified to pray with people and see miracles, signs, and wonders, see sorcerers come to know Jesus because of the power that was flowing through. Philip was qualified to see angels. Wait a minute. Philip has the same Holy Spirit in him that we have in us. So we're not qualified by anything we do. We're qualified through the blood of Jesus, right? So let's not fly through those things. Let's slow down like, whoa, an angel just shows up and retracts Philip's path. I mean, he's seeing revival meetings all throughout Samaria. And, and an angel shows up and he's like, hold on. I want you to go talk to one person. Wait a minute. Now, there's hundreds of people surrounding around my messages and my prayer. And you want me to go talk to one? But what's he do? Immediately, he takes off and goes to talk to this person. Now, where is this eunuch from? Where is this treasure from? Ethiopia. Does Ethiopia have any of the gospel message yet? No, not at all. So what he was doing to receive this encounter, was he sitting there praying to the Lord? Was he waiting on the Lord? Was he sitting in the upper room? Just keep saying no, 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 no. No, he was actively doing the work of the Lord. So now there's no formula to receive an encounter. It's deep intercession. It's prayer. It's fasting. It could be. But it also could be, be busy doing the work of the Lord. And as you're fulfilling the assignments God has for you, he says, you know what? I like what he's doing. I like the faithfulness that he or she has. I'm going to send an angel with a specific message because Ethiopia doesn't have the gospel yet, and this eunuch will take it back to the queen, and she'll take it to the nation. So he sends an angel to Philip. Philip obeys and actually goes then. You look down from 34 to 39. I won't read all of it. Basically, Philip comes alongside. He sees um, the eunuch reading through, I believe it's Isaiah. Thank you. It says, tell me, in verse 34, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So Philip starts showing him the Old Testament scriptures because the New Testament wasn't written yet. So he's actually preaching Jesus through the Old Testament. We can do that. You're supposed to find Jesus through the, the pages of the Old Testament. So down in verse 36, here goes the breakthrough. As they rode along, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So he ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. That is an immediate breakthrough because he obeyed a supernatural encounter that he had. So now the treasure of the queen of Ethiopia is born again, going back to the queen, soaking wet, and she's going to say, what happened to your clothes? And he's going to say, it's not just my clothes. Now think about this. An encounter that you have with God can give you a very similar breakthrough, where in one moment, somebody who's miles and miles away in their heart of ever hearing about Jesus Christ. Yes, right here in Washington County, people that have never been to church before, have never heard of the message of Jesus, but maybe something that's distorted in some movie or show somewhere, and they can hear it from you because you obeyed something you heard in an encounter with God. At any age, at any maturity level, maybe next year, God, maybe when I know the Bible more, maybe when I pray more, no, no, no. Right now, qualify yourself through the blood of Jesus Christ because you have an inheritance from God that you can receive something supernatural from God. You're not trying to earn it, contrive it, or fake it. You're just saying, I'm waiting on you while you're asking me to wait. I'm obeying you. I'm under your favor. And I'm simply doing the work of the Lord. Spend my life how you want to. And we see a breakthrough. Next chapter, Acts chapter 9. You probably don't even have to turn your page. We talked about Saul, Paul, 
last week a little bit. We're going to get into him more in the next two weeks, the final two weeks of this series. Saul and Paul are the same person. If you don't know that, he starts out as Saul. After he gets born again, he changes his name to Paul. Saul was an extreme follower of the Jewish law. He did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. So because of that, when Stephen was stoned to death and killed, the people actually laid their, clo- their clothes, their, their, their cloaks at Paul, the feet of Saul. So he was a vicious person. He was the first terrorist against Christianity. In verse one, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. Remember, this is persecution. And eager, and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. This is nothing light. He's eager to kill those who are following Jesus. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus. He asked for their cooperation to arrest them and then bring them back in chains. Verse three, this is the encounter. As he was approaching Damascus on the mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. Again, many of you would be like, wait a minute, was my light bulb about to burn out? Like, why did it just get really bright, right? (laughs) But if we set ourselves up and say, listen, I'm open, Lord, to whatever you want to do, however you want to speak to me. If you want to speak through me through another person, through correction, rebuke, or encouragement, you want to speak to me through your word, or if you want to speak to me through what I would would, would appear to me as being an odd or an unusual circumstance, it's all normal because you're God. So I receive what you have for me. So when a light bright shone from heaven, suddenly shone down around him, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus. So look at this encounter here. Jesus had already ascended up into heaven. Jesus doesn't send an angel to Paul. He was bringing himself. So he shows up in this bright light. You don't see his body here, but Jesus himself shows up again. I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Get up, go to the city, and I will show you what you must do. So he gets up, and he's blind, and he was uh, actually led by hand to Damascus, and he was blind for three days, and he did not drink or eat. So what was happening here that set him up for an encounter with God is he was living in direct opposition to the Lord. This is the only point of the sermon I advise that you don't do to receive an encounter with the Lord, right? Do you get it? Okay. I think I love this because sometimes we think that only the super elite have an encounter with God. But God loves people so much that are so far from him that he's willing to take his time, leave the right hand of the father and come down and encounter Saul to change his life completely. It's amazing to me how much God loves people who are far from him, and not just far from him, but good people, people that are opposing him, people that hate him and hate his people, and he still shows his love and demonstrates his love enough to encounter them supernaturally. So we have the breakthrough in verse 17. Jesus spoke to Ananias. He told him to go, uh, that he's going to find a person named Saul, and Ananias is scared to death because Ananias has heard of Saul. He's supposed to go and lay his hands on him, that he would uh, regain his sight and be filled with his spirit, it says in verse 17. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you would regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he prays over Paul. Instantly, something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. It doesn't say it here, but I'm assuming he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He got up. 
he got dunked in water and was baptized, and afterward, he ate some food and regained strength. Now watch this. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. Okay, so this man, he's on his way to kill and arrest Christians. One supernatural encounter with God, three days of blindness, another supernatural encounter with God through one laying on of hands in prayer. Something falls off his eyes, breakthrough, I can see, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm baptized, and what does he do? He goes into training because he was a really bad person. Not at all. It says in verse 20, immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues and saying he indeed is the son of God. I love it in verse 22. He says, Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. That's amazing when you think about this breakthrough that Paul received. Think about one encounter with one person And what that breakthrough meant for the rest of the church. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. We follow his teachings, his preachings. He led many to Jesus. He planted many churches, which then planted churches in cities around the world. So like, why not you? Why not set yourself up and just say, God, one encounter can change my life. I'm following you already, but one more supernatural encounter, one more touch from God, one fresh filling, and I, I, I just give you my life to use any way you want to, to change the entire world with, if your will would be that. Like, no matter what area you're in, single, married, young, older, working, not working, that shouldn't matter. We lay ourselves down and say, God, one fresh touch from you can change my life completely. And I know that it'll bring new breakthrough. Acts chapter 10. Next one over. So this is Peter. Cornelius. Can you say Cornelius? Cornelius is a Roman uh, official, a Roman um, military official, okay? So he's not Jewish, he's Gentile. Peter is Jewish. Even though Peter is a Jew, or Peter's a Christian, the, Jew, the Jewish Christians are still having a hard time interacting with Gentiles. So they know Jesus, but they've been following these rules and regulations for so long that like, it's hard to break through some of these things. So he needs a breakthrough. There's a wall There's a wall between him and the Gentiles, even though he's following the way. Roman soldier, it says he's a God-fearing man, okay? So he's following God, but doesn't know Jesus yet. You got to follow this out because you'll find out that him and his entire family get born again. So you know here he's not a Christian yet, but he fears God. He actually is visited by an angel, not born again, visited by an angel. He sends, sends some guys to Peter and have him come back to you. Now, I guarantee you that made this man a little bit nervous. It says in scriptures that he was well-respected by the Jewish people because of his position, but I bet you it made him nervous because now you're asking a Jewish apostle to come and preach in a Gentile's home where they didn't even cross the, the threshold at times. They had to be invited in. And if you follow the story out, you'll see that uh, when, when um, Cornelius' friends go there, they don't step past that threshold until they are invited in. So that's one supernatural encounter, 
for Cornelius. In verse 9, it says, The next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on a flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Now, we're past Acts 10 in our reading plan yet, and I don't think our ministry team has had any emails about this or anything, but y'all read that and like just go right past it, right? He fell into a trance. So I looked that up. I'm like, okay, that word sounds weird. Like some of your translations might not say that word. It's actually when you're taken out of your own consciousness, consciousness and put into consciousness with direct communication with God. How many of you know that the devil has perverted that in the new age movement and so on? You might be thinking, whoa, this sounds like cultish and so on. Yeah, of course the cults will pervert that. But God used direct communication with someone's consciousness for supernatural encounters throughout the early church. And I believe you can still do it today. Is this challenging you guys? Are you all right? I don't think I'm crazy by the end of this. I'm just reading out of the Bible. So he fell into a trance. So this is the vision he gets. It might get weird to us. He finally understands this. So it says, he saw the sky open. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. A voice came and said, get up, Peter, kill them and eat. Well, Peter's like, no, Lord, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. So follow this. Peter wants to follow Jesus, but he also wants to follow his Jewish laws. His Jewish laws are saying, don't eat unclean animals. There was a whole list of animals that were unclean and couldn't be eaten. So when he first sees this vision, he's like a little bit offended and a little bit confused. He does not know what's going on. But what happened, the actual encounter was, he fell into a subconscious state where God was able to speak directly to him, show him a vision of something that was about to set him free to preach the gospel. I love what it says here, because he's hungry in the natural. So God gives him a vision of satisfying his hunger in the natural. But it was actually to satisfy his hunger in the supernatural. If you see, do you understand that? He's hungry in the natural, and he shows a vision of food and about eating. It has nothing to do about what he's eating for lunch, right? The people down there aren't preparing unclean food to eat. Obviously, they're following Jewish law. So this vision that he has given is about to prepare him for a spiritual and a supernatural breakthrough. What happened here? I think that hunger that was inside of him, it had allowed him to accept something that was outside of his normal lifestyle as being from God. And I believe our hunger will do that. I'm not saying to ask for something weird or strange. I'm saying, God, this is the way I do my life with you. This is all I know from you. But I'm open to receiving something that is, is, is outside of the norm in my lifestyle. Which means if, God, if, you, if you work, let's say you work or shop three miles from your house, and God says, go right. Like, well, that's weird. I have to get right there. No, go right. Then you go right. Then he says, go right again. And then go left. And you're 10 miles out. Let's just say he takes you on a journey so you're able to pray with, minister to, or share faith with one other person. How much more exciting would that day be by obeying him and accepting something that's outside of the norm as being from the Lord? So Peter's a little bit confused. If you look down at verse 19, it says, Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him. So he's like, he's confused right now. 
Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So he goes down. He finds out that they're sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He invites them in. The next day, he goes. So let's see what the breakthrough is. If you go down to verse 44, he's preaching to them. And this is in a courtyard. So there might be 100 or some, maybe, maybe 200. Courtyards were like, it was like the house, and then there was a large courtyard in the middle of some of these like compounds almost. So he's preaching a message that says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So Peter's like, hey, now listen, Peter was one of the ones who was objecting to even going to preach to them. One supernatural encounter now leads Peter after one, half of a message. Picture that. You're in the middle of a sermon and everybody just busts out speaking in other languages, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says here, I lost my place. Oh, verse 47, Peter says, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave us orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay for several days. He accepted something that was probably outside of his normal lifestyle. He probably didn't fall into a trance at noon while his lunch was being cooked every day, right? When I, I, I want to make a, a delineation here too. When I say that it's normal for believers to experience supernatural encounters, normal is different than regular. So when I'm saying regular, I'm not saying that this happened every day every week, every month. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying if you're not having these power encounters with God, something wrong with you. No. I'm just saying it's normal at some point in your walk to experience these. I've just read a few by Peter specifically. So people will experience these multiple times sometimes in their life too. In fact, if you see somebody radically following after God, I mean, just full of passion, ask them their story. They'll probably tell you about an encounter that they had with God. I want to read you one more. I don't, it's not going to be up on the screen here. Uh, if you go to, I'm going to skip 12. Uh, if you go to Acts 16. Adam, your team can come up at this time, bud. If you look at verse 16 here, of, of Acts 16. It says, one day, uh, this is Paul and Silas. They were going to the place of prayer. They met a demon-possessed girl. She was a fortune teller. Uh, she followed Paul, like the, uh, shouting at them. These, these men are servants of the Most High God. They've come to tell you how to be saved. So like this demon-possessed girl is actually telling the truth, but it's annoying Paul. So eventually he turns around, rebukes her, casts the demon out. Well, the master who used her to make money was now quite mad. So he stirs up some dissension. Paul and Silas get put into prison. It says in verse 22, they ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape because they probably heard of it back a few chapters when Peter had a miraculous escape through an angelic visitation when his chains just fall off and he walks through multiple layers of doors. 
So he's in the inner dungeon, clamped their feet in the stocks. So verse 25, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. I love that. I don't want to skip past that. I want to see that these men were stripped naked, were beaten, flogged possibly, and thrown into not just like the outer prison cell. I mean, they're in the inner dungeon, locked tight. And it's late in the night, and they could be complaining, they could be crying, they could be moaning, they could be sleeping, they could be doing a lot of things. But what they chose to do, which I believe positioned them for an encounter with God, is they chose to pray and they chose to sing hymns to God. It's, a, it's, an ama- it's an amazing experience to be able to praise God and to be able to sing to him in the midst of this type of unfair treatment and this type of persecution. But they were able to seek God. You know, I wonder if it would have turned out the same if they were sitting there and they were saying, God, why did you put me in this situation? You know, like if they, if they just had like anger or dissatisfaction in their heart, I wonder if this next verse would have happened. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All of the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Now, that seems like a breakthrough, doesn't it? Yeah, right? Chains fall off, doors are going. This isn't the breakthrough. This is the propelling toward the breakthrough. The jailer there, he's scared to death. He's like, I'm a dead man, puts a knife to his throat, is about to kill himself. Uh, Paul says, don't do it. So what happens is there's quick repentance on uh, this jailer. I'm not going to read the verses in here, but basically the jailer, uh, Paul preaches to the jailer. Paul preaches to the jailer's family. They all get born again that night, get baptized in water that very night. So just think about this. We could take an experience just like this and say, if I'm able to sing to God, if I'm able to pray to God, if I'm able to press in while I'm in a difficult situation, I'll receive breakthrough. My chains will fall off. I'll be set free. I'll be able to walk. But that's not where God wants to stop, right? He doesn't just want to set us free from something. There was a greater purpose for Paul from God in that situation. And it was so an entire family would come to know Jesus Christ. Encounter after encounter after encounter throughout the New Testament, the early church, with breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough for our benefit, but for the greater benefit of the people around us. So this is my simple invitation. You can stand up at this time. I don't really mind if you're at your seat or at the altar, but I do invite you to come to the altar if you just want space to worship the Lord. We're not, going, we're not trying to contrive anything, right? We're not trying to force anything to happen. What we're going to do is sing to our Lord. We're going to worship and give honor. We're going to turn our affections to the Lord. And what I, what I look at the rest of today's services is just an invitation for God to touch us in a fresh way. An invitation for God to do whatever he wants to do in our life. If he would choose in his own specific timing for a supernatural encounter, it's just an invitation that we're sending up to him. It's saying, I'm here to worship you. I'm here to honor you with my life. Come and touch me fresh again. 
So if that is you today and you just want to give that invitation, even as we begin to sing, you can come up to the altar. Sometime in our worship, we'll have our altar team just pray uh, for people, for God to just touch them fresh. So I invite you to come forward if you want to at this time. Adam, you can go ahead and begin singing. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.